listening to Rick Flynn. With a shout out from London Town, it's Rick Flynn presents. Now, ladies and gentlemen, your MC for the affair, Rick Flynn. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome. Come on in. It is an absolute pleasure after all of these years to meet not one, but two individuals that I am so proud to have on the program today because I was forced, and I mean, well, I wasn't really held at gunpoint and made to do it, but I had to play in my career a record called Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves, and our guest today not only wrote that song and composed it for Katrina, Katrina and the Waves, a huge hit record, Walking on Sunshine. But he also wrote Love Shine a Light, which we're here to promote today and remember and think back of how this Love Shine a Light song actually caused not only pride for himself and the group Katrina and the Waves, but also for the UK in general. And we'll get to that in a moment. But Mr. and Mrs. Kimberly Rue, you're both here and welcome to our program today. Hello. Hello. Thanks for inviting us. Right. I am in the Midwest USA. You are both in, is it fair to say, London? We're near London. Yes, by American standards of distance. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're actually, right at that moment, we're on the west coast of Wales, which is like a country on the west side of Britain. And uh, we're just looking at, at the Irish Sea. Uh, and on the other side of that is Ireland. So right. uh, hopefully that will give you idea of the, uh, where we are. Yeah, we are well, on holiday at the moment. Oh, very <laughs> well, good. On holiday. Whatever. With a name like O'Flynn, you don't think I know where Ireland is. Well, I'm t- this is more for the benefit of uh, your listeners in the Midwest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they don't really have right. a lot of ocean, you know, so we're here, we're here to provide it today. Like, we've been looking at the ocean now. Yeah. yeah. A picture in sound, if you will. Oh, very good. What is it they say here in America? As the crow flies, it's near London. Yeah. Yes. So. Yes, yes it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Rue, your name is Lee yes. Cave Barry. You've teamed up yes. with your husband years ago, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah, twenty-four years ago now. Oh my! Just, just gone. Our, our last, our, our, the anniversary of when we first got together is twenty-four years on the second of May, and we actually got married on the second May of May as well, which was actually twelve years ago. So we were actually sort of half, half twelve years together, and then twelve years married. It was kind of a slow burn. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay, a slow burn. (laughs) Now, Lee, don't you play bass? I do. That's exactly what I do. Yes, I have done since I was 17, yes. Right, okay. uh, Now, how did I know that? 
How did you know that? I, I, well, let's just say I had no idea you were going to appear on the show today <laughs> until you showed up. And, 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 you know, I just happened to, as the crow flies, I get this information, you see. Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm making you work now. No, that's okay. <laughs> that is fine. Right. I am what your husband would call one of those AOR rock DJs. Is that okay, Kim? Uh, you is a free country. And is a free country over there. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it's supposed yeah, to be. Uh, Let's put it that way. Supposedly. And you are allowed to be AOR or whatever other. There are all kinds of subgenres within pop music, aren't there? Where it's like blues, country, folk, reggae, soul, fusion, jazz, rock. But um, you, there's also AOR, and this is a very honourable profession to be in, if that's your department of music. So, yeah, go right. Adult-oriented, orientative rock. Yes, okay, cool, yeah. It doesn't stand for any old rocker, then. Right, AOR is album-oriented rock. Yes, there we go, AOR, and then we have adult contemporary over here, and we have pop. Now, let me ask both of you collectively if I can kind of pinpoint where I have you and your group, Katrina and the Waves, in my mental process, because my career, I've been in the business my whole occupational life. I've never really had what you would call a day job so to speak. And I'm blessed that I made it this long. And there's not a day goes by when I'm not thankful for that. But in addition to Katrina and the Waves and the record promoters giving me a song to promote called Walking on Sunshine, which I played, I had no choice. It was too big of a hit not to play. Everybody loved it. But they also gave me other songs that I relate to your group as well. And this is what I want to ask you about. Am I right? Am am I in the ballpark, as we would say over here, when the Bengals, for example, had a single out called Walk Like an Egyptian? And they had this little dance they did where everybody uh, did their little walk like an Egyptian dance. That was one record. Then we had an all-female group. They were called the Go-Go's featuring Belinda Carlisle over here. And they did a couple of good singles amongst others. And one of them was called We've Got the Beat. We Got the Beat. The other one was called Our Lips Are Sealed. And that's the Go-Go's. And then there was a gal, I'm sure you must know, Tony Basil. And she did a record called Mickey. Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. And then these are rock slash pop songs with a female presence on the lead vocal. In which category, Kimberly, I would place Katrina and the Waves and Walking on Sunshine. Am I right or am I off the beaten path here? Uh, You're right. Absolutely. And of course, you know that the Bangles did a Kimberly Rue song. Oh, the Bangles. Yes, they did. Yes, they covered, um, um, let me see, I think it was Going Down to Liverpool. That's right. Going Down to Liverpool was covered, Kimberly, by the Bangles. And you wrote that. Yeah. 
Is that correct? Yes. How did that do for Katrina and the waves? Yeah, that was uh, in 1994, and uh, that actually uh, gave people a little bit of an introduction to Katrina and the waves, because um, this was... uh, and then Walking on Sunshine, which was the big hit for Katrina and the Waves, came uh, the year after, yeah, 1985. So, I mean, the timing there with the Bangles was, uh, it, was just, uh, like, it was just what we needed to kind of maybe give people something to relate to. You know, they could see where we were coming from in the musical landscape. Right. Now, I heard you say, and this is a direct quote from you, Kim. You said, and I quote, we could never agree on anything in Katrina and the Waves. (laughs) Your comment. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There was a kind of strange chemistry in that band because I kind of arrived in the band with some original songs. We had, of course, a very dynamic lead singer and front person, which was, of course, Katrina. And uh, we also had Alex on the drums, who was also uh, the band's manager. So um, it was his band, you know, he was in charge. So, you know, we had these kind of constant kind of three-way disagreement going on for the whole 18 years, you know. So that was a little bit of a strange chemistry. So, um, you know, I think that's what I was referring to in that quote. Right. Now, for the sake of those listening, especially those in the U.S. of A., you are saying A-L-E-X, Cooper. That was your drummer with Katrina and the Waves. Alex Cooper. We are not talking about an artist in America who goes by the name of Alice Cooper. Two different people. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, good point. (laughs) And Alice Cooper, by the way, he owns some restaurants over here. I believe they're, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yes, he's a good businessman. He owns, I think he owns some barbecue restaurants. And and when you first saw Alice Cooper early in his career, you went to see a band, a rock and roll band. And they had Buxton on the drums. They had Neil Smith, or I'm sorry, Neil Smith on the drums. They had Buxton on the guitar. And it was a rock and roll band. And then in later years, that all shifted and it became basically, if you don't mind my saying it, it was more like a Broadway play starring Alice Cooper. And then the band was hidden behind a curtain and the band ceased to be, have the importance that they had. Do you recall that, um, uh, ma'am? I was a big fan. Big fan of Alice Cooper, I was, uh, and I realised what a businessman. I mean, if you think about it, it's absolute genius to wear all that makeup because it doesn't matter how old you get. It's like click kid. It doesn't matter how old you get, you still look the same. Right? <laughs> yes. Well, because of that makeup, sure. And of course, the, another band over here that uh, did all that that were hugely successful. A uh, Kiss. Yes, absolutely. And 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 it's an ageless look. You can't you can't uh, you can you can keep playing until you're you know, sort of 105 with that look. Yeah, no, isn't that well? I, they're not playing because they need the money. I'll guarantee you that much. But boy, no, it, that's right. <laughs> do you remember, uh, Kim? Do you remember the early Alice Cooper, or did they not enter into your life? Uh, yeah, I remember um, schools age in right. 1972, and uh, I actually um, I went uh, I went to a gig in 1972. I went to see uh, the Sweets 
at the Hammersmith Palais in London. And um, so it was a little bit unusual for a, a rock and roll type gig because they had like a warm-up bands and they were actually the house bands, you know, they were like the Hammersmith Palais house band, you know, and they were doing all the current top 40 covers, you know, and uh, they included in that uh, School's Out by Alice Cooper. And uh, they had a female vocalist, so she was doing this, um, you know, School's Out for Summer, you know, like in in her sort of, best voice that she she could muster and um you know we got to the the bit about we've got no principles you know and it sounded you know it's just like that's a very difficult line to cover you know well we got no class and we got no principles yeah i remember her going yeah we got no principles you know in that but it's very difficult line to do convincingly. I'm really saying like you have got no principles. <laughs> you know, with Alice himself, it's much more like, hey, we got no principles. <laughs> you know? so, uh, yeah, that's more like what you want to hear. Yeah. I yeah. bought the record, uh, the yeah. album School's Out. And yeah. the, the record mm-hmm. album, the vinyl 12-inch record album, if you looked at mm-hmm. the top of it, at the top front, the main cover, it was one of the old-fashioned school desks, the kind that it was yeah. like slanted, and then you could yeah. pick up the lid and store books and things inside, yeah. and, and you, you would and open... You could, you could, go, go ahead. Yeah, you could do that with the album cover as well, couldn't you? Right, yes, kind of yes. Oh, but but here's the catch. I bought the album and I brought it home and I did to the album the way they had it designed. And you could flip open from south to north the lid of the desk, which is photographed on that record cover, the album cover. And when I did that and I opened it up there in the the container, the record album cover, which was basically the inside of the school desk, was the album with a pair of women's panties holding the album and attached as a a prop to the album. You had to take the panties off before you could play the record. I think this is really um, music that's aimed at like the fantasies of like fourteen-year-old boys. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but that's where we—that's where you and I were at the time, Rick. So there you go. Right, you and I are only two years apart, sir. Okay. That's all. Right. We're yeah. almost, almost the same age. And I know I heard you speak. I heard you mention a man that used to be, I believe he was out of New York, and he used to sing, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, hey, babe, yeah. take a walk on the wild side. Who would that yeah. be? Lou Reed. Lou Reed. Lou Reed. You are yeah. a Lou Reed couple fan, both of you, yeah. I take it, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, bought Transformer, one of my favorite albums. Oh my, Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground. Boy, he was yep. he was very very good. Pop, early punk, would you describe him? He helped mold what became the punk rock style of music. Would you agree with that or no? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he was early, wasn't he? Uh, early punk, yes. He oh, was. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I was just saying, I think he was slightly outside of that genre. He was because he was so unique and so original that he could, you can't really place him exactly in a particular genre because he was just unique. Uh, he had a great sound, very, very him. Very true. He was actually from the state of Florida down south but then he ended up in new york and that's when he really took off there with uh walk on the wild side and so you know his career blossomed because new york had so many of those alternative acts like that and they all played up there at a club called cbgb and others i don't know if you're familiar with that but New York played a very big part in the uh, alternative or punk rock scene. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Great bass line in Walk on the Wild Side, though. Oh, isn't that? Oh, boy, that is so true. Where it slides, mm, slides down very mellow. Yeah, I think it's two basses, actually, I was told. Oh, now that, I see, I didn't know that. I would never know that. <laughs> you, you have to be on the inside of the session to know something like that. Oh, there are drum parts on albums. You know what? There are drum parts that weren't even played on the drums. They beat on something yeah. else just to get a particular yeah. tone. Yeah, actually, it's very clap. Hand claps are very much harder than you'd expect. We, we, we put some hand claps on one of our songs in the studio and you and we had to kind of tell people to, to clap slightly apart from one, one another so that, so that you actually got the whole clap sound. Otherwise, it doesn't sound like a clap. No, I've, yeah. I've heard some of your solo material and, of course, I've heard going down to Liverpool and other things that you've done. And it's always a very clean, it's a clear, a crisp, clean sound. There's not a lot of, excuse my my uh, French here, even though I don't speak French, but not a lot of garbage in these records that you produce. It is a clean, what I describe as a clean sound to the production, which I like. It's a very, very clean production. Have you been told that or, or no? Um, oh, I've had a partial for like, avoiding fuzzy guitars. I mean, there's been a lot of those around on records, really, since the days of like Eric Clapton and his contemporaries. I've always kind of felt that was an easy way out. You know, if you can kind of get an impact with a clean sound, you're going to get more bangs for your buck. So, I mean, with a fuzzy sound, somehow it's, it's too easy. You know, you can just cover everything up. I have been told to make my sound more fuzzy. I mean, particularly by Alex Cooper, who was saying, you know, Kim, you know, he was uh, in his best public school times, you know, like, Kim, your, your guitar sounds like a bloody banjo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh, my. I'll tell you. Yeah, but the great thing about Kim's uh, tone, though, is that it really cuts through. So when you're you're live, when you're playing live, his, his guitar sound really cuts through. Without being, it's a funny thing. If he's playing with another guitarist, they always think that he's louder than him. But he isn't. He just cuts through better. Right. Which, I, you know what? I'd take that as a compliment if it were me. <laughs> I do. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But I'm a big fan, you might have guessed. There's no question about it. So now, Walking on Sunshine 
happened in a group that you were with almost 20 years, 18 years. That in and of itself is an accomplishment to work with the same band that long. And I know that had to have been at times difficult for you, Kim. What are your comments on that? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to what I was saying about there being this constant argument going on in the band. But, you know, that's what I think gave it its dynamic. You know, it was kind of moving, trying to move forward all the time. I'm sure we're coming on to this. We did have a second hit over here in Europe in 1997 with a song called Love Shine a Light, which won a thing which we have over here called uh, the Eurovision Song Contest. It might not be so well known over there in the States, but it's quite a big deal over here. So, um, and that's uh, firstly prevented us from being a one-hit wonder. And secondly, it gave everybody the opportunity to move on and do other things, you know, at the end of that 18 years. You know, so, I mean, queuing the 24 years of uh, Kim and Lee. Right, absolutely. Now, there was the, as you mentioned, there is, although I believe they've renamed it, but at the time, it was called the Eurovision Song Contest. And didn't they rename that to Shine a Light 2020, or was that only a one-year-only rename? That was one year only, yeah. I mean, what happens in 2020, it's always in May every year, and... uh, so that was within weeks of the start of the global pandemic. So they weren't allowed to hold the contest as usual. But, I mean, every country had its contributors to the contest, you know, ready to go. So what they did, all of those contributors, like, recorded a line from the song Love Shine a Light, you know, previous winner of the contest. And, uh, you know, they did it like a new version with, like, somebody singing a line from every country in Europe. And uh, so, in a way, Love Shine a Light has uh, won uh, the Eurovision Song Contest twice. <laughs> but they have now gone back to uh, the uh, Eurovision Song Contest name and format, of course. Right. Okay. Now, over in the UK, they take the Eurovision Song Contest very, very seriously over there. You're right. It's far more known and popular in the UK than over here in the States. But why do you believe that is, if if you don't mind my saying? I, I'm wanting to learn just as much as yeah. the American public. Can you inform me what about yeah. the contest is so special to to the people in the UK? Uh, well, I mean, the uh, contest has been running for, I think, 70 years. So it started back in the 1950s in Europe. I think the countries in Europe, which at the time, you know, we had the Iron Curtain at that time. So, you know, it did, that didn't include Eastern Europe. But um, the countries of Western Europe, you know, which all had television, like as a, a fairly new invention, I thought it'd be nice to kind of get together every year and, like, choose a song. You know, so that's what they did. So, um And that's why it's called Eurovision, you know, because that's the sort of contraction of the European television. And that's why it's in Europe. So it's never actually extended like further around the world. Although you do get an occasional contribution from Australia or something, you get a sort of guest spot or something like that. But it's never actually, we've never actually had a, a guest spot from the USA. You know, maybe it's time we did. Because, you know, we might get a good one. You know, I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. It's a very long program already. It lasts about 
three hours. I mean, it always has lasted a long time. It's got more because more countries are taking part. But every country signs the sort of chooses a song and sends it to to the show and then uh, they all they all played their songs and then all of the peer people in Europe vote for that song so it's it's a very it's a great sort of nationalistic um collaborative effort in each country to to find the song to send to their country and then you know, you have to decide what you're going to do visually because that's very important as well. Everybody, you know, people stay in on Eurovision night and invite their family round and and uh, sort of have big, um, you know, big parties and choose their winner and then wait to see what the votes are like and then the winner is is the winner and that's you know and it's and it's just like a comp it's just a competition but uh, it, but everybody in Europe gets involved. England has has had sort of times where we're not so what's the word um serious about Eurovision as some of the uh, European countries are. I mean, I think Sweden, I- Italy and, and France and Spain, they're much more serious about it than we, than we tend to be. But uh, yeah, so now you, you have that kind of whole history. I grew up with the Eurovision Song Contest happening every year. Right. Now, in 1997, Katrina and the Waves had the winner of the Eurovision Song Contest, which was called love shine a light and that was the last time that the uk won that song contest would that be correct that is correct yes do you anticipate this year or anytime soon that the uk can provide another winner in there what are your personal feelings on that well i've got to say two things so one is i think it's very likely that ukraine will win because uh, for obvious reasons Secondly, I think the UK, which will do much better this year than it has for quite a few years, because we have got a real quality song with a lot of genuine feeling in it this year. And it's uh, it's called Spaceman, and it's by Sam Ryder. So check it out. Right, okay. Spaceman by whom, Sam? Uh, It's Spaceman. Oh, Spaceman. Captain Kirk. (laughs) Right, right. by Sam Ryder. R, how would you spell Ryder? Uh, R-Y-D-E-R. Oh, okay. You're taking me to Motown. That's Detroit, <laughs> where another guy was there with his uh, devil with the blue dress on and sock it to me, baby. And his name was Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Classic stuff. Right. That is the best. That is the, um, the the manual, you know, for for guitar bands, you know, like Kim and Lee. Right. You know, little Lassie Lou. I you name it. I think that he is a wonderful performer. And if anybody would like to see Mitch Ryder, go to the Rick Flynn Presents Facebook, scroll down, and there's Mitch Ryder and myself backstage. I've met the lad. Very, very he's still out there performing, believe it or not. And um yeah. you also had something to do with an act from that era. I don't know how you got to do this other than the fact that you were probably fans but there was an act that did a song called wild thing 
I think I love you. And they were called the Trogs. How, how did they enter into your life? Well, I mean, through the usual channels, you know, the same route as Elvis, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, the Who, Led Zeppelin, all the rest of them. You know, you couldn't ignore them because they were rock and roll and they were the real thing. And uh, they had a very simple formula, but that's the way we like it. And um, one day, Lee and I decided to record a tribute album to the Trump. And uh, check it out, folks. Uh, tribute to the Trunks by Kimberly Root and Lee Cave Perry. And uh, we, we uh, and uh, Alex Cooper, not Alice Cooper, <laughs> Alex Cooper from Katrina on drums. We did eventually get a quote from surviving Trog Chris Britton about our tribute to the Trogs album, and it was, Blimey, you guys sound more like us than we do. Oh, my. My. <laughs> Great. And did you love the record, the single Wild Thing? Yeah. Yeah, we did, and many, many others. Boy, isn't that the truth? Yeah, we were all fans here. (laughs) How about you've got to tell me, because I know a little something about your background, and you warmed up on tour, The Kinks, with Ray and Dave Davies and company. I want to know how that went for you, because I have loved The Kinks ever since the British invasion brought them into my life. Please tell me that the Davies brothers are nice people. Don't ruin my image of them. Uh, They are nice people, yeah. I mean, all the kinks are nice people, yeah, and they're extremely good company, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Dave Davis is a man, I mean, he lacks any sort of side whatsoever. He's a completely straight-ahead guy. Uh, Ray Davis is basically a nice guy. He has what they call an artistic temperament, which means that like, he's very driven and uh you know, it's desperately important to him. It's like existentially important that he kind of gets up on stage and he delivers its song and it's what he wants it to be. And like he can get across to people and he gets their attention and he needs that. And that is kind of, it's something a lot of uh, performers carry with him. And I think it's to him, it's quite a weight that he carries around with him. I don't think it's always been easy for him to do that. But yeah, I mean, basically, he's a lovely chap, and they all are. There was another member of the Kinks, a man called Ian Gibbons, a keyboard player, and uh, we kept up the friendship with Ian. And um, Ian very sadly died three years ago. We had a look at the uh, discography, and we discovered that Leonore had actually recorded 12 albums featuring Ian Gibbons on keyboard. And it, which is a fairly staggering statistic. It's just because he was there, he was always there, he was dependable, he always had a huge smile, and you know, he played fantastic keyboards. And, and uh, great stories. <laughs> oh, I can believe that. How about Ray Davies? I always envisioned Ray as more or less the leader of the Kinks. Would that be false, or how would you uh, attribute the role of Ray? Uh, yes, he is the leader. I mean, he's the main songwriter, he's the lead singer, and he's the frontman. And, you know, he's the guy that communicates with the audience, and he's the public face of the band. And he's the inspiration behind it. He's by far the most motivated and the most creative, and, you know, the most 
original. And uh, yeah, leader would uh, sum that up in one word. One word. <laughs> one word. One word. Leader. Okay. Very, very well. Ladies and gentlemen, our guests today, Mr. and Mrs. Kimberly Rue and their website, www.kimberly, that's with an E, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y, ruerew.co.uk. That is the website you can go to hear our guest today, and his wife. That's where they post and where they'll be. But now you also have Facebook. You have a lot of social media. Uh, You have, what, Twitter? You've got all that social media going on, don't you? We do. We do, yes. I'm probably more active on on social media than Kimberly is. So it's like like the old saying, if you want a a musician to do anything, you have to talk to his girlfriend. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh my! <laughs> and that's what, that kind of works. It works with social media, certainly uh, for for us. Really, I'm the I'm the one that kind of uh, does all the posting, and I'm there. You know, sort of if anybody has got any questions or anything like that, and I can pass them over to Kimberly. I I kind of often say, "Have you got any?" <laughs> I often sort of say, "Can you share this on your?" on your Facebook page, please. <laughs> so, because I've got posts, you know, for both of us, but he, but yeah, he, I need to get him to to share stuff. So if you, if you actually want to get a, a quicker uh, in to speak to Kimberly, then if you talk to me first, you'll, you'll get that faster. <laughs> what, what do you call a musician without a girlfriend, Lee? Homeless. Homeless. Yay. <laughs> Oh, my. Ladies and gentlemen, did she get that right? Oh, oh, the audience agrees with you. Yes. What do you call a musician without a girlfriend? Homeless. Oh, isn't that true? What is the difference, Lee, between a large pizza and a jazz musician? A pizza can feed a family of four. A large pizza can feed a family of four. Oh, oh, oh. oh, she's hot. I know why you married this woman, Kim. She is on top of it. There is no doubt about it. Can I tell you one? Oh, absolutely. Okay. What's the difference between a drummer and a kaleidoscope? I would not know. You can never get a pattern out of a drummer. Okay. Oh, my. I heard your husband say, I heard him say that you had Katrina and the Waves got signed in Canada. Is is that right? That's where the initial recording contract, et cetera, happened? Or am I wrong there, uh, Kim? That's right. Uh, Yes, it took us. We were hammering on the door for quite a while, you know, and we slowly managed to inch that door open. And Canada to their great uh, credit, gave us our first opportunity at a proper record deal. You know, they actually uh, made our, an album available and, uh, you know, they organised, like, booking a thing for, like, live appearances and promotion and all the rest of it. And we were very slowly, like, on our way. But, I mean, they did it first. Well, that was, that was excellent. And then after you got signed, 
I am I wrong, but didn't you say that even though you were signed to the label and the band was out there making all this noise and and with this this hit single and so forth, you said that you were always short on cash, and I think you were referring to everybody in the band. The days were uh, rough. Well, it didn't immediately change your life. No, but I think that would apply to most bands. I mean, they're not. You know, when they're like on their way up the greasy pole. I mean, pop musicians are not noted for having large supplies of cash. And I think that that applied equally to Katrina and the Ways. Right. Okay. Well, you know, I've heard with some of the contracts going on today, you have to repay the label for what they spend to make the album. And there are groups that just never can get past that. They can't afford that. Just because a group is signed today does not in any way way, shape, or form attribute instant success to them. Would you go along with that? Oh, not at all. I mean, it's a stage. I mean, it's a possible career path, and it is a stage along that path. You know, there's plenty of other things that have to happen, like besides being uh, kind of taken up by a a large record company that um, that you're going to have to do to make yourself, to endear yourself to large sections of the public. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's a good start. I mean, you can put the things in place. You can you can make the music, and you can be a, a good band, and you can go and get a good record label behind you. But if the public on board, it, success is made by the public. Well, I'm not going to ever dispute that because I have seen the mistake made by many, not just one. And these are acts, if I'd call them out, nobody would know who they were at all. They used to come in to the theater where I was the MC, and we had major recording acts come in there all the time. We'd have one that was brand new, just signed. A year later, they're out of business. They're gone. They're broken up. And they'd come in with no hit, no single being played anywhere and they would assume that all this is headed their way with no material and boy isn't that the wrong thing to assume just because you are signed means nothing if the material is not there that the people will get on board and join you with yeah yeah it's the material that's the important part boy that is so true The material is really important, but it's the public that actually is the most important part. Right. (laughs) Now, you toured, uh, was it Canada with Katrina and the Waves, or did you tour worldwide with them? Where primarily did the group play live, Uh, Kim? Initially, we toured Canada, then uh, in 1984, then in 85. Well, no, initially, I mean, we to go back further, we did things like, you know, doing tours of like RAF, Bases. That's the Royal Air Force bases in uh, the UK. You know, we were just, you know, bashing out the kind of uh, songs. You know, but we were just like the entertainment. You know, we weren't there as a name. You know, we were just there. Uh, you know, dare I say it, it was maybe you know, like the Beatles playing in Hamburg or something like that. And then uh, 1984 sort of legitimate tour of Canada and then 85 we toured the US for four months uh, you know that was the big one you know we were also in like Scandinavia Europe 86 you know back to the uh, Australia uh, US again uh, Europe again 
I mean, you know, that's what I mean. That's what bands do in our situation. You know, I mean, that basically went on for uh, eighteen years. Well, no, or by that point, you know, the remaining, um, you know, whatever time was left out of eighteen years, you know, thirteen years or however much it was. But uh, yeah, we know with kind of bleak patches in the middle, you know, where there was relatively less interest. But I mean, you know, that's what you do. You know, you play music you know, to the people. They keep playing, you know, wherever they want you. For the sake of the fans out there that know who Katrina is, they used to watch her on the music video that would come out and hear the group live. What is Katrina today doing? Is she out working or basically retired or, or what is her current status, if you know? Yeah, she's, she's, she's still, she still does all the uh, Eurovision big gigs. Uh, with her band. Um, she also has just brought out a new single, I believe, as well. She's doing many interviews now, uh, like we are, because it's to do with Eurovision. And yeah, she's kind of like the face of the band, so she kind of still gets invited to do lots of things, and she is still doing them. Dolly Parton, of all people. Dolly did Walking on Sunshine. Did the record company call you up and say, hey, uh, Kim, listen, uh, we we got this country gal over in America going to do Walking on Sunshine, Dolly Parton. How did you hear about this? How did Dolly Parton enter your life? I'm just trying to remember. I think somebody told me, oh, Dolly Parton's recorded Walking on Sunshine. You know, so I basically got a cassette of it or whatever it was in those days. And there she was, you know, like that unmistakable voice, you know, think, singing them. You used to think, maybe you love me. No, no, that's true. Singing those words that I've written, you know. It's, uh, you know, that's kind of nice, you know. I think that's, um, you know, if you can put those things together, you know, somebody that in your, your heart is already an icon and something that you've actually made yourself but has become accepted. You know, I think you know, that's the kind of nice point to get to in your life. Right. Celine Dion redid That's Just the Woman in Me that you wrote. The Bangles did Going Down to Liverpool that you wrote. And, of course, Dolly redid Katrina and the Waves Walking on Sunshine. Now, I heard you say that now that you're not in Katrina and the Waves anymore. You and Lee are out as a unit now, and you're playing various gigs, etc., etc., etc. But you do not view yourself as an individual who makes music alone. You said the way you believe rock and roll is supposed to be, or the way you want it in your life, is to do it in collaboration with other people. Yeah, I mean, I, I love guitar bands, and I love you know, being in a guitar band and collaborating, you know, with bass players and drummers, and you know, occasionally other singers. And um, you know, I'm very lucky that I've got Lee with me, you know, and she's a you know great bass player, and you know, we do harmonies and we co-write. And uh, I'm not by temperament a band leader or a lead singer or a frontman, but I do like the whole collaborative part of it you know and that goes back to the Beatles and Buddy Holly and the Crickets and all the rest of them and uh, yeah that's what I like doing you know um, that is me. That is my temperance. And I'm very lucky I can still do that. Right. Your contribution to music is to perform it in 
the unit of what is called a band. You've got that exactly right. And the music and the band and the audience and the room, if you can get them all to be one thing, you know, you've given people a lift and you've made something in that particular location just a little bit better for a certain length of time. And uh, it's very nice if that's your job. Kimberly Rue, direct quote, we had a hit with Walking on Sunshine and then we were cast into the wilderness. Uh, Explain, Um, explain, explain. I think what I was trying to say was, particularly in the US, I mean, we had a hit with Walking on Sunshine, and then we didn't have another hit after that. You know, you're only as good, well, if you're a new pop band, you're only as good as your last hit. And like, we have one hit, so we were as good as that while it was there. And then, you know, we were somewhat out of the public eye. I mean, I don't mean that actually some man with a hat on saying official caster out into the wilderness actually came along and picked us up one by one and kind of threw us out of a window into this uh, <laughs> wilderness but um you know that's a figure of speech but um yeah yeah you know like they have the talent shows these days and uh, on the telly you know is it um We've got Britain's Got Talent over here, and then, oh, what's going America's Got Talent. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I hope I've got that right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, somebody wins, and, uh, yeah, uh, somebody wins, and the rest of them are figuratively cast into the wilderness, you know, and that's like a, a quote from the Bible or something like that. So, I mean, but it is a figure of speech. Very, very well. On Saturday, May 14th, 2022, there will be the 66th, 6 annual Eurovision Song Contest. That's right. It's annually every year. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. And that will occur in Turin, Italy, and it will mark 25 years, a quarter of a century since the UK were last victorious with the Love Shine Light song, which was written by yourself. And that, according to all of the people in the UK, has really elevated the group kind of a notch up on the ladder. It was like the only thing I could reasonably compare that to over here. I remember that Jerry and the Pacemakers had that song that they would play at your football matches about when you walk through the storm, keep your head up high. You know what I mean? That song took a life of its own. And my point is, did love shine a light? It had to have helped everything when it took on a life of its own, much like the Jerry and the Pacemakers song did. Walking on Sunshine did as well. You couldn't get a bigger hit record than Walking on the Sunshine as far as making charts worldwide. I think you hit every country in every chart. Now, there were different positions in various countries, but that thing went successfully worldwide, not just one or two places. Yes. And people still listen to it. People still play it. Uh, you know, people in England know Walking on Sunshine from the age of 90 to the age of six. You know, oh. just it's just every sun- summer and it's lovely. And that is a tribute to its composer. And Kimberly, mm-hmm. you will be forever remembered by those two songs, whether you like it or not. I like it. <laughs> right. When is the last time you spoke to my heroes, Ray or Dave Davies? 
When was that? Yeah. I think we went to see um, Ray Davis and his band at the Corn Exchange in Cambridge, UK, yeah. about a few years ago. About eight years ago. Something like that, that. yeah. Because yeah. Ian, yeah. Ian was playing with yeah. him, so we went backstage and said hello. Yeah. We did actually see him, and we didn't go backstage, actually nearer uh, in time than that. Well, we saw we saw all the surviving kinks at uh, Ian's funeral yeah. three years ago. Did they say hello? Uh, we didn't get a chance to no. say hello. Then. I mean, it was a very difficult situation to yeah. say hello to anybody, as you can imagine. Yeah, we'd have to go back a little bit before that. So, yeah, yeah. But if I reckon, it's probably about yeah, eight or ten years since we've spoken to him. Have you <laughs> had any experience in your life, either one of you, with the lads from Liverpool? I wish we had met, uh, we had all met all of the Beatles, you know, like, and I wish I'd just been there all the time, like, with the Beatles in the recording studio, you know, just sitting there the whole time. Just taking it all in. I really do. I mean, that would have been um, uh, like uh, the opposite of a misspent childhood, you know, whatever that uh, phrase is. But um, sadly, uh, I don't think anybody did that. So um, that's but, a foregoing the pleasure. But but you might, uh, I don't know whether you know this or not, but when I was 20, I was in a band that supported Fats Domino in Europe. So I have met Fats Domino. Oh, yes. Ain't that a shame? Yes. That's it. Yep. Yeah. My tears fall like rain. The great fats domino. Absolutely. That's a very good start to my career. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Wow. What a show, everybody. What a show. Kimberly Rue is here. And that website again, www.kimberleyrew.co.uk. That is the website. Social media all over the place. He is the guy who wrote Walking on Sunshine and Love Shine a Light, amongst others, for Katrina and the Waves, where you played lead guitar and It's an 18-year effort with your life, and you're still out there with your dear wife, Lee Cave Berry. You're playing, and what, just sporadically or regularly, or how would you describe it, Kim? Describe it as regularly, yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on all the time. Yeah, we have Um, local stuff and stuff that isn't so local, so that's quite good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, I mentioned the website. What would you add to that? What do you think they should do? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, what do you yeah, say? I'm, well, I'm kind of more often on Facebook, but uh, but all the websites that we have, including the KimberlyRue.com website, uh, if you send it, there's a contact form on that. So you can always send me an e- email. I will check it first and then act on it. So, yes, you can certainly get through on the on the websites because we also um, have a LeeCaveBerry.com website and also a uh, Kim and Lee .co.uk website too. So there you go. All right. How <laughs> so, about email? Can they get a hold of you via those websites? Is there email where they can yeah. write you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because there's a contact form. So they just pop, pop in their own email 
ask the question, and it will come to my email, and then I'll deal with it. So oh, straight, excellent. Straight. It's, it's, there's nobody in between. Also, we do have a YouTube channel. Kimberly has a YouTube channel, and he has illustrated quite a lot of his songs as videos. So he's quite a good artist as well. So I thought I'd just mention that too. Right. And, and what do you do? You paint piece. oil, or what do you do as an artist, Kim? As a painting artist? I do black and white drawings with a felt-tip pen. Oh, really? I'll be darned. Yes. I've got to check that out. I've not seen a one of them. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, just, just go to the Kimberly Rue uh, channel on uh, YouTube, and there are several cast, you know, several um, illustrated um, videos there. Isn't that sort of like what John Lennon used to do? Yeah. Oh, I take that as a very large compliment. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, he would do uh, very simple drawings, say, to go with his stories, uh, like if you read, like, in, in his own right, like by John Lennon. That's pretty much a drawing on every page. Right. Very, very well. Well, I want to thank the both of you for coming on today. And Lee, as Mrs. Kimberly Rue, you really surprised me. I had no knowledge you were going to enter and come on today, and I'm delighted that you did. It added a dimension I just didn't know was going to happen, and I'm delighted that you took your time out to join your husband and I. Thank you so much, Mrs. Rue. Thank you very much indeed. And Kimberly, how are people going to remember you? What would you like for them to to do other than the obvious? Any parting words as we pass out today? Well, I'd just like to say, everybody, please keep rocking and rolling. Please keep going to your live shows. Go to your local bar, your local venue, and get out there and have a blast. And, you know, you, if you have anything like as much fun as like we've had and we're having, then, uh, you know, the world could be a tiny little bit of a better place. Isn't that true? Now, on future record albums, there won't be any panties inside the holding the record album in place, or, or is that you're going to leave that to Alice Cooper? There could be time for a revival. <laughs> right. You'll think about that. You don't want mine. All right. Do you have any class and do you have any principles? Uh, well, uh, well, yes, we do. Yeah, I think we're the opposite of Alice Cooper, yeah. but we're equally, but we're we're equally rock and roll in our own way, and so is he. All righty. I want to thank both of you so much. It's been a pleasure meeting you. Good luck to the both of you. Although I don't know how it's going to get much bigger than some of the experiences you've had being a composer who is not only recognized in the industry the way you are, but who stood for and caused the UK, the whole nation, to be proud of the work that you've done. You're going to be watching the Eurovision. Will you watch that all three hours when it occurs on Saturday, May 14th? Or not? Well, don't tell anybody, but we'll watch it back later on and we'll fast wind through uh, some of the quieter sections. All right. Very well. To our studio audience out there, did you enjoy Mr. and Mrs. Kimberly Rue? Oh, my, oh, my. And they especially, they're holding up signs, Lee. They love the jokes, too. Oh, it is sensational. What good jokes we have at the expense of musicians everywhere. Our thank you to Kimberly Rue 
his dear wife, Lee K. Berry, who brought you Katrina and the Waves, Walking on Sunshine, and Love Shine a Light, which was the last victory that the UK had at the Eurovision Song Contest. And if that's going to happen again, we don't know. But boy, it did happen, and you're just not going to be able to live it down, Lee. You know, you're not going to live it down, Kim. Thank you both. This is Rick Flynn speaking. It's been fun, but I've got to run. On behalf of myself and our special guests today, both of them, Mr. and Mrs. Kimberly Rue, we want to thank you for tuning in. Have a great day, everyone, and thank you. Bye-bye. The preceding was a Rick Flynn production. This is your announcer, Chantal Marie speaking.